The world of medicine changes all the time. What's right today may be disproved tomorrow. What was the best method last week might be improved next week. It's a science, and sciences are designed to be liquid in their states of change. But what happened to the ancient medicines? The ones discarded by the nations that conquered? Did we ever give them the chance to develop to their full potential? What could the old and new world achieve together if they were combined? It's the life of a man from Limerick which answers these questions for us. This is his story. In Limerick, in 1809, a child was born. His name was William O'Shocknessy. William was born into a family connected to power. Many members of his family tree were people of the cloth. His uncle was the Dean of Ennis and an uncle from the generation before was the Catholic Bishop of Killaloo. William's parents, Daniel, a local merchant, and Sarah were fortunate enough to be in a position to use their contacts in society and engaged William in an education to set him on a path to success. William worked hard in school and from an early age he showed he was a boy of great intelligence and ability and he had just enough curiosity to develop. He went through the different levels of school with little struggle. His intelligence and abilities soon gained the attention of those who decided the fate of others and William was offered a place in Trinity College to study medicine. He accepted without hesitation and left Limerick for his studies in Dublin. After some time in Trinity, he came to the attention of the higher-ups in the college. Word got out about his abilities. The University of Edinburgh came calling. This was a huge honour for William and his family as at the time the medical school in Edinburgh was seen to be one of the best in the world. William again jumped at the opportunity, almost accepting before the offer had been fully made. William settled in well in Scotland, graduating as a top student in 1829. Now, as a qualified doctor of medicine, he went looking to begin his career. In his college years, he had worked on a few papers which had started to get his name recognised in medical circles. That being the case, he did not have to wait long for employment. 
he started working in London as a forensic toxicologist. His job was to test bodily fluids and tissue samples for the presence of drugs or chemicals. After a few months working in this field, he published research based on his work. It was this publication which distinguished him amongst his peers. The research laid the foundations for modern medicine's use of intravenous fluid for the treatment of cholera. It was also during this time he developed a way of detecting poisons in the bodies of the deceased. William wanted to progress his career further and applied to be a professor of medical jurisprudence in the University of London. Unfortunately, he failed to attain the role on this occasion. Instead, William set his sights on the wider world. He was offered a role with the East India Company. This wasn't unusual for the time. By 1860, 30% of Trinity College's engineering graduates were working in India. William was to be an assistant surgeon with the East India Company in Calcutta and a chemistry professor in the Calcutta Medical College. When William arrived in India, he noticed the local people were treating themselves with remedies from their ancient societies. They were using a plant that William had never seen before. They were making lotions from it, eating it and smoking it. When he approached them with his medicines from Europe, more often than not, the locals rejected his medicine in favour of their own. William began to investigate this plant. He could not find any traces for its use in Europe or any mention of it in the research of the other scholars of medicine. It amazed him as to how a plant so widespread for treatment by the people of India had gone unnoticed and untested. William decided to take it upon himself to discover why this plant was the preferred medicine of the Indian people. The plant was hemp. William began interacting with those who treated themselves with the hemp plant and began to experiment with the cannabis taken from it. He began administering majun, an Arabic cannabis sweet, to a dog and reported that he ate it with great delight and became ridiculously drunk. Another dog was given churus, a Nepalese hemp resin, and William reported he became stupid and sleepy, dozing at intervals, starting up, wagging his tail as if extremely contented. He ate some food greedily. On being called to, he staggered to and from, and his face assumed a look 
of utter helpless drunkenness. In all cases, the animals recovered and were, according to William, well and lively after a few hours. This led William to conclude that no hesitation could be felt as to the perfect safety of resin of hemp, and he proceeded to administer it to his patients. He began to validate the use of cannabis as a medical treatment. He discovered new uses for it when mixed with his own experience and knowledge. Through different mixes he made with it, he discovered it worked for a series of therapeutic purposes. William managed to manipulate it to relieve the pain of rheumatism and preventing convulsions in infants. Once he was satisfied that his research into the hemp plant had created a new form of medicine, he started to bring it back to Europe and producing publications on its potential use. Due to the respect his peers had for him, his research was accepted easily and cannabis became used in medicine in England. In 1839, William was called to the home of a child who had been suffering from convulsive paroxysms that had increased in frequency and intensified over three weeks. The other doctors had tried placing two leeches on the child's head to relieve her pain. William, according to himself, exhausted all the usual methods of treatment and the child was apparently in a sinking state. He stated to the parents the results of the experiments he had made with hemp and his conviction that it would relieve their infant. The baby's parents gladly consented to the trial and the cannabis tincture was placed on the child's tongue. William reported. The infant fell asleep in a few minutes and slept soundly till 4pm when she awoke, screamed for food, took the breast freely and fell asleep again. At 9am, 1st October, I found the child fast asleep but easily roused, the pulse, countenance and skin perfectly natural. In this drowsy state she continued for four days totally free from convulsive symptoms in any form. Later William reported. The child is now in the enjoyment of robust health and has regained her natural plump and happy appearance. William reported this and numerous other case studies in the Dublin Journal of Medical Science and the London Provincial Medical Journal. Of all powerful narcotics, he concluded, it is the safest use with boldness and decision. I have given Mr Squire of Oxford Street a large supply of the ganja and that gentleman has kindly promised me to place a sufficient quantity of the extract at the disposal of any hospital physician or surgeon who may desire to employ the remedy. My object is to have it extensively and exactly tested without favour or prejudice, for the experience of four years has established the conviction in my mind that we possess 
no remedy at all equal to this anti-convulsive and anti-neuralgic power. Williams' research and endorsement of cannabis as a powerful medicinal product, given his reputation, led to its widespread adoption by physicians in Ireland, Britain, Europe and North America. What has happened with the perception of cannabis and hemp between then and now is a story for another day. William's fame in the medical world grew even more when he managed to use cannabis to stop the muscle spasms in those suffering from tetanus. Aside from William's work in medicine in India, he was also selected to work on the telegraphic network there. Being a man of such intelligence, he was able to teach himself how the network worked and its requirements. William was appointed Superintendent of Telegraphs in India in 1852. During the years 1853 to 1855, three and a half thousand miles of telegraph wires were installed across India, and he wrote numerous manuals and reports on his telegraph inventions. One of those inspired by William's work with the hemp plant was Sir Russell Reynolds, the personal physician to Queen Victoria. Trusting in William's research, he himself acquired cannabis and, under William's instructions, prescribed it to the Queen to treat her menstrual pains. In 1856, Queen Victoria knighted William for his work in India. Sir William of Limerick, the man who convinced the Queen of England to use cannabis. After William had the title Sir added to his forename, he wrote on telegraphy-related subjects, including a book of private codes for encrypted telegraphy. In 1860, O'Shaughnessy returned to England for sick leave. When he returned, he was not the man he once was, and he lived in obscurity until his death from senile asthenia in 1889. Today's music was written, performed and produced by myself, Ryan O'Halloran. The story was researched and scripted by Oren. If you want to help support this podcast, you can buy us a coffee at www.buymeacoffee.com forward slash we the Irish or leave us a review on your podcast app. Ryan is Anam Dunn, Gurav Mahakut, It's the big one. The Sky Half Price Sale is here. Choose from award-winning Sky TV and everything on Netflix or unmissable sports with every single live Premier League game on Sky Sports, BT Sport and Premier Sports all half price. Take Sky Cinema and watch the biggest blockbusters or grab Sky Broadband Ultra Fast for lightning fast speeds. 
Choose one that suits you. They're all half price for six months. Save big in the Sky Half Price Sale. Search Sky Half Price. Availability subject to location, TV and broadband products sold separately. For more info, see sky.ie forward slash speed. Setup fees, min terms and further terms apply. Offer ends 2nd of September.